well, thank you for having me. My name's Rocco. I'm an alcoholic. Um, it's always a, a privilege to, to come speak to uh, you know a group that you haven't spoken at yet. Uh, my sobriety date is May 17th, 2020. So next month, I will have uh, two years, actually about 30 days from today. Um, I have a sponsor. I have a home group. I have a commitment. Uh, and those are the things that keep me sober, along with my higher power. Um, my, uh, my story, um, just very briefly, I, I grew up in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Both of my parents uh, were alcoholics growing up. Um, I never saw them drink. They, they were sober my entire life, um, but we didn't have uh, too much money back then for babysitters and the like. So I, I would sit in the back of the meetings and, and color. And uh, that's only to say that self, um, self-knowledge will not keep you sober. I ended up in these rooms uh, on my own right because I earned my seat. Um, I, my, my drinking and drugging career started uh, around 14 or 15. Um, and just uh, just about the same as anybody else. It just progressively got worse and worse and worse. And it, it didn't happen overnight. Um, but it, it led me to the point of doing things that I never thought I would do I, lied i've cheated i've stole um anything for that next fix for that next drink or drug i did um <clears throat> and uh it, it, in the time it while, while it was going on uh, it didn't even occur to me that i was really doing anything wrong um it, there was one seminal moment in in, in my life where, where things um kind of changed uh, on July 18th, uh, 2016, my, my dad passed away after a bout of cancer. Um, and, and prior to that, I, I was able to um, hide my addiction and my alcoholism halfway well. I, I wouldn't say too well because people saw it, but, uh, you know, I, I, I at least cared to hide it. Um, after that, I, I really didn't. And, and the avalanche just went right downhill, uh, which led to... Uh, Father's Day weekend of 2019, um, and I started hearing and seeing things that weren't there. Uh, I was supposed to be at my uncle's house on Father's Day 2019, and, and I there was just absolutely no way that I could go. Um, the only reasonable explanation for what happened next is uh, God saved me, because um, quite frankly, um, I, I am incapable of self saving myself. Um, God came over me, and I don't know, to this day, I have no other reason to believe that, that he was the one that made the phone call, but I called someone and I said, I need to go to rehab, and I was lucky enough to go, and I went to rehab, I, I did about 60 days, um, and it was wonderful, I do really well in controlled environments, you tell me where to sleep, where to eat, uh, all of that good stuff, I am golden. Um, and then I got out and I went to a, uh, a sober house and I was great for a little while. Um, and, you know, I, I went to some of the groups that my parents went to when I was younger because I, I was going to meetings in the same area and um, all was well for a little while. Um, you know, my, my parents had a lot of friends that were still in the rooms, of course, uh, with, with long term sobriety and, and they'd give me. Uh, and these are people I've I've known my entire life who 
you know, were at my communion and my graduations and all that. They they give me the suggestions that that you know we all get uh, get a home group. Uh, well, I did that, but I didn't go to any business meetings or anything. Get a sponsor, I did, but I didn't really call them. Uh, get a commitment? Nope, far too busy for that. Work the steps. Well, I'll do up to five, and then we'll stop there. Um, you know, pray every day. Well, eventually, I stopped doing that, uh, and the results spoke for themselves. By I think it was seven or eight months later, by February of, of that same year, uh, I was back drinking and drugging, uh, and it was just as bad as it ever was, if not worse. Definitely worse, actually. Uh, that lasted two or three months. Um, up until May 16th of, of 2020. Um, I was used to like to, to point to the couch, but I actually got a new couch. On the couch behind me that used to be there, I had a seizure on the morning of May 16th of 2020. Uh, paramedics came into my house, asked me what year it was. I didn't know. Um, they asked me um, you know, who the president was. Stuff, simple questions that you, you would just know, and I didn't know. Uh, so the next day I was back off to rehab and that's sort of my current journey. And, um, like I mentioned, I, I do really well in controlled environments. Um, but this time I wasn't just happy to be there. In fact, I really wasn't happy to be there. Um, the first seven or eight months of my sobriety really got me a lot of things back and, and I was on the verge of losing them again. And, and I was determined, um, to, get my life back on track. Um, so I wasn't as interested in, in the making friends portion of rehab. I, I really did all the things that were asked of me and, and really focused on, on my recovery. Uh, when I got out, um, we were smack dead in the middle of uh, the pandemic. And prior to me going to rehab, uh, one of the, uh, the uh, older members of our group had let me know that we were going to have Zoom meetings. Uh, so when I got out, I texted him and I said, are we still having those Zoom meetings? And he said, yes. And uh, from there, I, I got right on. And, um, you know, all those suggestions I didn't take the first time around, I, I did uh, this time. So uh, I've, I've always been told to uh, attack my recovery like I attack my, sobri uh, attack my sobriety, like I attack my uh, addiction uh, and striving for the, the drink or the drug. So. Uh, I, I have the disease of more of one of my very many isms. Um, they told me to get a commitment. I got three. Now we just so happen to have a lot of commitments when you have seven meetings a week. Uh, so we had a lot of roles to fill. Um, but nonetheless, um, you know, I, I started keeping a journal in, in rehab. When I got out, I decided to keep two journals for some reason. I don't know. But it, it, what I'm trying to get at is I really wanted to be sober. Uh, and, and when I had looked back at that relapse, um, the first thing that stopped, you know, obviously I stopped going to meetings, I stopped doing all the things that had gotten me to a halfway stable point. Um, but the first thing I stopped was my connection with my higher power, and I stopped praying. Um, so when I got back into rehab, when I got out, I made sure to pray day and night. And, and my connection with my higher power is the most important thing in my life um, because I don't have sobriety without it. Uh, my list of priorities today are very clear. Um, my higher power, who I choose to call God, is number one. My sobriety is number two or one A. However, you know you want to label it, and everything else comes after. Um, and 
you know, you can call that number three, four, whatever you want to call it, but it ain't close to number one or two. And as much as I love my family, they know that. Um, following the suggestions given to me, um, I but my life has just become a um, something I, I could have honestly never imagined. Um, if if you would have told me two years ago that I'd be looking at, at two years of sobriety right now, I don't know that I would have believed you with the with the depths of, of which I was. Um, in, into the disease at, at that point. Um, sobriety was not even on my mind two years ago today. Uh, it, it was only by an act of God, and I call that seizure an act of God, uh, because if that seizure didn't happen, I would have I would have kept going. Um, I actually, uh, I still, service is one of the most important things in my life. Uh, I, I am our group chair right now, which is still to this day the greatest honor that I, I've ever gotten. Um, and I, and I just try to fill my life up with as many uh, sober friends as I can, uh, a lot of which you see on, on the meeting tonight. And I, and I love them all for, for taking the, uh, the, the trip out. Um, you know, I, you know I, I've heard um, people that have been in the program say, um, you know, in, in those first couple months, I would say, you know, I just can't imagine life getting better than this. And it just keeps getting better. Um, I'm not a true believer in a pink cloud. I, I honestly, listen, life, life is going to have its, its ups and downs. Um, but if you keep doing, at least in, in, for me, as long as I keep doing the things that, that got me sober and got me to that place, I'm going to live a very happy life. Life on life's terms is going to happen. Um, but nonetheless, uh, I know one way not to make it worse, and that's to make it a drink or a drug. So thank you so much for having me. I am going to turn it over to one of my best friends in the world, uh, and you're going to love hearing her. So, Lori, take it away. Thank you, everybody. My name is Lori. I'm an alcoholic, and thank you for allowing me to do service. Um, Rocco, I absolutely love you, and I am so grateful to be on this journey with you. You are one of my favorite, favorite people in this room tonight. And I have a lot of favorites here. And uh, I'm so grateful that my 10 p.m. group showed up as well, you know, for support. So thank you all. And Larry for, you know, pushing the uh, word for me to speak tonight because uh, service is what, what helps keep me sober. And, and I try not to ever say no unless I absolutely have to. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know why I'm nervous, but I am. <laughs> So my name is Lori. I'm an alcoholic, and my sobriety date is January 16th, 2020. So I do say I am a Zoom baby, and um, and I'm so grateful for that. You know, Rocco, you left one thing out, and I'm going to bring it up. You knew the preamble before. You knew your, your uh, the Pledge of Allegiance, and I love when you share that because you said you grew up in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and, you know, if it wasn't for Zoom, I wouldn't have met most of the people in this room today. And as I would say, the ones that are supporting me and supporting Rockham. Um, and for this tool that we have, it's just absolutely incredible. And it was in the big book before, you know, we even knew about Zoom, modem to modem, right? So, um, you know, here it is. But um, I have a home group. I have two home groups. I have an in-person home group, which is the Lindenhurst Freedom Group. And I also have a Zoom home group, which I, is Sunrise Sobriety. I attend 645 every morning. 
I do attend at 10 p.m., which most of my friends are here tonight, uh, principals before personalities. And I try to make a minimum of two meetings a day because for me, meetings are my medicine. And I need a meeting every morning and I need a meeting every night by the time I get through my day. Um, I have a sponsor and I have a commitment at my home groups. And for me, service, as I said, is what helps keep me sober. And for me today, it's easier to stay sober than it is to get sober. And I don't ever want to go back. You know, it took me eight years to, to find my seat and um, and to admit that I had a problem with alcohol. And, um, you know, I'm a mom of three girls who saw a lot of, you know, a lot of things they shouldn't have seen. Um, and my drinking probably took off more in my late 30s, early 40s. You know, growing up, I had a pretty normal life. Um, I'm the youngest of five girls. My parents... Um, did a social drink. Uh, I grew up in Italian, Irish family, so there was drinking at holidays, drinking on the weekends. Dad would have a beer, you know, while he was cleaning out the garage, but nothing really more damaging, you know, more than that. Um, but my dad passed when I was 12, and he was the one that basically took care of me because my mom worked nights and weekends, and she was busy running around with my four older sisters. So um, I have to honestly say when uh, when that happened, I kind of felt all alone, even though I was in the house of, you know, with, like I say, four older sisters and a loving mom. You know, my mom um, went into like a depression and I was allowed to do what I wanted to do. So uh, I worked. I worked in a hair salon and I made a lot of, you know, good cash. So for my friends, it was great to uh, come hit up my tip jar and see where the party was going to lead us, you know. And um, and, and in my beginning, it was definitely uh, pot. I did. I smoked a lot of pot. I wouldn't even say alcohol was part of that because I couldn't drink. You know, I drank, I threw up, I drank, I passed out. Um, I would have to drink wine coolers, something sweet. You know, I, I never liked beer. So I would have never, ever thought that alcohol was a problem. Drugs maybe, but not alcohol. It wasn't until I got older. Um, but when I look back now, I see how I couldn't handle it and how I had that allergy. You know, as I said, I either, you know, drank to get drunk. It was never just to have a sip. And when I did, it was either a blackout or throwing up. And um, and I was that friend that, you know, everybody had to clean up after. And I can't believe that they'd ask me to come to the next event, except that it probably was that I was funding them. <laughs> so, uh, you know, as time went on, um, I got married. I had kids, and um, and my marriage was not exactly what I what I expected life to be. Um, my husband was unfaithful, and that threw me for a big loop. You know, I had three kids. The youngest at the time was probably uh, just under a year, and I was just so broken. You know, and I didn't know what else to do. And um, you know, I used to drink to have fun. And then I started to drink to get numb because I just didn't want to be in the life that I was living. Um, you know, I worked, I had a job, I owned a hair salon. So I thought that, you know, everything was okay. I showed up at work, I did what I was supposed to, my kids were fed. And, you know, we had a roof over our head. So um, just because I drank a little too much on the weekends, what's the big deal, you know? But um, I was a binge drinker. So I drank on Friday, and I usually didn't stop till Sunday night or Monday morning when I couldn't fit another drop of alcohol into my system because I was just so sick. And I would sit, spend 
Tuesdays and Wednesdays apologizing, and by Thursday I forgot, and Friday I'd start the party all over again, and, and I did that many, many years. You know, um, my poor kids, you know, the things, as I said, that they saw um, the first time I was introduced to the rooms. My daughter was about two years old, and we were home alone during the day, and I was doing my day drinking, my husband would go to work, and um, my mom had called the house, and, you know, thanks to God, you know, she called and knew something was wrong when the baby answered the phone, and my mom came and found me blacked out on the floor, and she took me to the hospital, where my sisters, who always came to my rescue, you know, showed up, and they said all I did was sob and say how, you know, I, I wanted to be happy, I just wanted to be happy. And when I woke up out of that blackout, they gave me a choice. It's either rehab or AA. And I didn't want to go to rehab. You know, I, I had three babies at home that needed their mom. So I'll try AA. And they called a friend that was in the rooms. And my girlfriend took me to a meeting and gave me the literature. And we sat in her car. I'll never forget. She handed me old books, which I still have. And, um, and I didn't take it serious. You know, I thought that I just needed to learn how to drink safely. I needed to um, get out of the marriage I was in. I was just depressed. I was just, you know, not wanting the life that I was living. And I didn't think that I had a problem. I thought everybody else was the problem and everything else was the problem, not me. And, um, and as I said, I didn't take it serious. You know, and I looked at those questions on the front of the... Um, the meeting list, and I could answer maybe three, four, and I said, nah, I'm not an alcoholic, so what did I do? I went back out drinking. I didn't make the meetings, and I didn't take the suggestions, and I didn't get the sponsor. And um, for about eight years, I was in and out, you know. Sometimes I'd have three weeks sober. Sometimes I'd have three days sober. You know, it was never, never predictable, that was for sure. And, uh, and what I put my family through. You know, I drove my kids drunk, uh, showed up at events drunk. My daughter had her fifth birthday in uh, preschool. It also was the same as um, Valentine's Day because she's on the 13th of February. So they were having a big celebration. And I don't remember walking into that room. I just remember waking up in a hospital bed and not being allowed to see my daughter because I walked in in a blackout and uh, was brought to the hospital. And uh, when I woke up, there was a one-on-one aide at the end of my bed. And psychiatrist came over and said, when are you going to stop this? Looking at my record, I was coming in once a month with extreme high alcohol levels. My sister was an ER nurse. They would say, you know, look at what you're putting yourself through, right? But look at what you're doing with your sister. And, And... this is just, you know, how are you going to keep going on? And um, and when I went to visit that doctor, <laughs> he said to me, you know, well, you know, maybe you're not an alcoholic. Maybe you should go out and drink. And I took that as, you know what, see, even he doesn't think I'm an alcoholic. But he was just trying to give me that one more test, you know, find your bottom. And, um, and as I said, I continued to drink. Um my kids had to start taking care of each other. I didn't see anything wrong with that, you know. Um, if I opened up the garbage and saw it didn't was served because there was something there, I knew everything was okay. If my car was in the driveway, okay, I got away with it again. You know, there was no consequences. Um, never went to jail, which I should have. Never was institutionalized, which I should have. 
and um, and I just continued on this 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 path, you know. So as time went on, I um, I tried to get myself together and just thought that you know maybe I'll change jobs, maybe I'll leave my hair salon, go someplace else, and you know start over, and that didn't work. Um, try to disassociate with the people that knew the things I was doing, but that just made me isolate, you know, and, uh, and what did I do? You know, I just would not drink and drive. I'll come home and just drink, you know, forget that, forget drinking and driving. This way I don't get in trouble. But, um, again, I was still in that marriage that was very toxic. Um, still allowed to drink because it benefited him and, um, not doing what I was supposed to do as a good mother and a sister and a daughter and, um, and just feeling so broken. You know, I always believed in God, but I didn't think I deserved him. So I didn't pray to God, you know, I didn't look for help. And when I had visited the rooms, cause there were times that I would get some time together. Um, I remember hearing people say, you know, stick around, it gets better. You don't have to feel this way again. Just don't drink and make a meeting. You know, things that were just as simple as that. And one day I ran into a friend of mine, and she was a client, actually. And I said to her the next time she came in, I got a head to her. Wow, that was some great meeting. And she looked at me. You were there? Said, yeah, I was there. She says, you going to come to another one? Nah, nah, yeah. <laughs> I said, well, maybe you should try it. You know? And she knew. And she tells me now how she knew when I was on, you know, my ball and when I wasn't when she came home with a bad haircut she knew I was out drinking when she came home with a good haircut she knew that I was doing the right thing but you know she's a woman that came in every month and still tried to plant that seed and she would just say to me you know you never have to feel this way again just don't drink and come to a meeting and I just you know shake my head and say mm-hmm and you know the days I knew she was coming in I wouldn't start drinking until after she left because I didn't want her to stay where I was at. But there was a few times that I'd have to call her and say, Anne, I need help. And um, and she picked me up from work a couple of times and took me to meetings. Sometimes not in the best condition, but she said, you know what? You come and put your ass in the seat, right? And, uh, and I remember one time going and just sobbing, absolutely sobbing in the chair. And people coming up to me and saying, please come back and just stay. But, you know, again, I wasn't ready. I had some more damage to do. And um, and then there was this one day that, uh, and it really wasn't such a uh, horrific thing, except that uh, we had a party and I started drinking. Things weren't going so terrible in the house. Things were calm. My husband uh, apparently wasn't cheating at the time. <laughs> But um, we were what we thought was getting along, and um, and we had a party. And like I said, I started to drink because I was allowed to, but I couldn't stop that weekend. So my party started it Saturday, and here it was Monday and Tuesday, and I was still going at it. And it became uh, Christmas Eve, and my uh, kids knew that if I went out alone, I was definitely coming home with something. And sure enough, I was able to get out of the house before I got a chaperone. And um, first place I hit was the liquor store to get my supplies for the weekend. And they kept calling me to see what I was doing, and they knew. 
just by the tone of my voice, and they always knew when Mom started drinking. So by the time I got home, my sister was sitting in the house waiting for me, asking me, what the heck are you doing? And I just tried to deny it up and down that I was not drinking while I had bottles stuffed in my dress and all in my bags. <clears throat> As I came down the stairs from getting ready, a bottle fell out of my dress, and um, my sister just looked at me and shook her head, and now I knew, crap, they're going to watch every move I make. And sure enough, they did. You know, I tried to pour some wine in my coffee cup, and my sister came over and dumped it, and I tried to go off into the basement, but somebody followed me. So uh, I just sat there pretty angry on Christmas Eve. When everybody went to bed, I continued my party. You know, I woke up, or kids woke up in the morning, and my husband laced into me like no tomorrow as my kids opened their presents. And the look on all three of their faces on Christmas morning, looking at their mother with such disgust and disappointment, is a look I never want to see again. You know, my oldest daughter tried every time she left the school, Mom, please just don't drink today. That's what she would say to me. As soon as that kid left, it opened the bottle. It was awful. I just couldn't stop. She even tried to give me medication that was prescribed. I one time tried to change the medication in the bottle, so when she gave it to me, she thought she was giving me the medicine, but that kid knew, and she checked the pills, and she said, who are you kidding? And I did so many things to just try to drink. It was pathetic. And as I said in that Christmas morning, that was a pain. That was a pain deep in my heart that I don't want to ever feel again. So my kids all went off to their room, and um, and I went to the basement to drink, because that's where it was, and that's what was going to help me get out of myself. <laughs> but it wasn't working. <laughs> you know, sometimes you drink so much, it just doesn't work, and that's where I was at. And I remember just praying to God, what am I going to do now? And I heard go to AA. <laughs> and as there's no coincidences, my next day at work, who was my first client but Ann? And she looked at me and I just shook my head and I said, Ann, I can't do this anymore. And she said, okay, we'll go to a meeting. Just don't drink today and I'll meet you at five o'clock and we'll go to a meeting. And we did. But before I got to the meeting, you know, she said to me, it's a big book meeting. And I said, oh, you know, I, I haven't read the big book. I don't think I should do that. She says, oh, no, no, you're going to the big book meeting. <clears throat> and when we sat in the room, it was my turn to read. And the paragraph that I read told my story. And it was like, wow, I'm exactly where I need to be. You know, the first line was my employer gave me my last warning. And that was the truth. My job gave me my last warning. You know, my family had been tired of, of me and my, you know, behaviors. And that's exactly where I was at. And it said that I was showing some physical, ail you know, ailments of the disease. And that was happening. But the last line was, and I still needed to drink. And that's how I felt. So as I sobbed through the paragraph, I said, this is what I need to do. I just need to stay in AA. And listen to the people around me because it must work, right? And the next meeting I went to was at the Lindenhurst Freedom Group. And when the speaker got up, it was like God put his hand on my shoulder and said, You just sit here, stay, and listen. And the words that came out of his mouth, you know, and hearing his story, 
I was so engaged and I knew that this was something I had to, I had to do. I had to do to stay sober. I was just so sick and tired of being sick and tired. Everything I was doing wasn't working. And you know what? All these people around me are happy and there's got to be a reason for it. But as I heard the speaker speak, it was, um, I could just hear the message of listen, you know, and a lot of times when I was in the room, I was just trying to be so smart when I was sharing and, and say things that would make sense and people think I was doing the right thing. But this time I just needed to listen. So I stayed and it was around anniversaries. So there was a lot of happy people and a lot of great stories and a lot of people talking about the things that they got in sobriety. And I wanted all those things. And as the women gave me their numbers, this woman across the table from me gave, not only gave me her number, but she took mine and she said, I'm going to call you after the meeting. And she did. And not long after that, she became my sponsor. So now I had a sponsor, you know, I had a desire to stay sober and, um, and I had a higher power that I believed in, which was God. And she said to me, okay, now we're going to talk each day. She said, and um, as long as you're willing to do anything, you know, you can get through this. Just don't drink today and call me tomorrow. And let me know what meeting you're going to go on. And, um, and try to make a variety of meetings. Make sure you get to a step meeting. Make sure you get to a big book meeting. Make sure you get to a beginner's meeting. And do this every day. But just for today, just don't drink and go to a meeting. And I would say, okay, and call me tomorrow. And I would. You know, and slowly by surely, the scrambled eggs in my head <laughs> started to straighten out. You know, that fog started to lift. But I needed to call that woman every single day because I didn't know how to put my shirt on. I didn't know which end was up. And I didn't know how I was going to get through a day without a drink. And she would just say, just don't drink today. Just think about today. And I would start to bring up the things I did in the past. And she'd say, but you're not that person anymore. It's okay. It's okay. Just don't drink and go to a meeting and listen to the people in the rooms. And I started to do that. And I think it was about two months into um, speaking with this woman. And we started to read the big book together. Um, she said to me, how do you feel? She said, do you have a desire to drink? And I said, no, you know what? Actually, I don't. I don't feel that need to drink. She said, do you think you did that? She says, that's your higher power. That's God. God's there for you. And, um, and you know, you're going to do, you're going to be able to do this. Just keep doing what you're doing every day. The days that I struggled, she'd ask me to make a gratitude list. So I did that because I was willing to do anything this woman told me to do. We started to work on the steps together, you know. First, I agreed that I was powerless over alcohol, that my life had become unmanageable. Came to believe there was power greater than me, you know. But when I came to that third step, I didn't know how to turn my power over to how to turn my um, life over to God, and how to become willing. So I did what was suggested, and I called a friend in the rooms, and she just said, "Pray for willingness." Something as easy as that. And I started to pray, prayed even harder each day, you know, pray for willingness. 
and um, and turn it over. And every morning when I would wake up, after I'd say my prayers, I'd say, I will not mine be done. I'd drive to work repeating it over and over, and the serenity prayer. And when I stopped getting in my own way and I saw that it was God's path that I just had to follow and not try to make my own, things were starting to get better and better. And it was just incredible. You know, this woman had given me uh, so much trust in her by sharing her stories that when it was time for me to do the fourth step, it wasn't as scary as some people think. And after I told her all those things that I never thought I'd tell another human being, you know, and she went through the list with me and told me my part, which I didn't like to hear, but it, you know, it helped open up my eyes to a lot of where I was at and my thinking. Um, it took a lot of that burden off of my shoulders, you know. She told me the people to make an amends to, and she told me the people who I could just do a living amends with. She told me there were some people to even take off the list, and it wasn't as hard as I thought. You know, once we identified my character defects, she asked me to pray to God, you know, to remove those character defects. And I did that because I was willing to do anything to stay sober. You know, she would tell me to pray for my husband because he was a sick, suffering man with no program. And you can't control people, places, and things. And that still I struggle with every day and I have to remind myself. You know, uh, resentments are a killer. You know, as they say, it's like drinking the poison and expecting the other person to die. So you got to try to forgive. But first, you got to forgive yourself. You got to forgive yourself for the things you did because you were sick. And you're just, you're not a bad person. You're just a sick person getting well. And these were all the things I needed to hear. You know, she would tell me, you don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. And practice the pause. You know, practice the pause. Pray and proceed. Take your hands off your hip and put it on your heart when you're going to open your mouth. And let God in first. These are the things that I need to remind myself anytime I'm going to speak or anytime I'm going to engage with negative behavior because that's what got me sick and that's what kept me doing the things that I should not have been doing. So every day when I wake up, I pray to God and I thank Him for another day. You know, I try to meditate. I'm not perfect. You know, I'm still a work in progress, but I do it to the best of my ability. And I try to make an amends as where I see, you know, fit and try not to do, you know, any more damage than I've done. My kids, thank God, thank God, just by seeing me work my program, we have such an amazing relationship today. You know, just this morning, I apologized to my daughter because I snapped at her last night. And this is the kid that's gone through the worst and the most. And, you know, we can have an open conversation now. She doesn't shake when she sees me walk in the room. She doesn't shut down when I have a conversation and we can make eye contact. And that I never thought I was going to have. You know, my middle daughter goes to... um Catholic school and it's just so funny the things that come out of that kid's mouth and the things that she sees that I'm not even aware of that she's um, aware of you know and that's the other thing that this program has given me the awareness um, the gifts that my kids have given me have been tremendous and these are the promises coming true you know they 
my sponsor said, just make a living amends and your kids will, you know, they'll see it and it'll come back. And our relationship is better than I could ever have imagined. You know, Alcoholics Anonymous has given me such strength and courage, brought me back to my faith, had me realize that God was always there for me, even on the days that I thought, you know, he wasn't. He never turned his back. I just didn't pray for him to guide me because I didn't think I deserved him. You know, I didn't pray for God to be in my life because I didn't think that this alcoholic, this person who was doing the wrong things, you know, deserved to have the grace of God. But I know he was always there. He was protecting me, protecting my family, protecting my children, you know. And and thank God that, you know, I have this program and I have this awareness today. My, um, as I said, my children have just shown me so many things, you know, in the beginning I thought, why don't they see that I'm trying? Why don't they see that I'm doing these things? And my sponsor would say, just be patient. You know, you did a lot of damage. It's going to take some time. And as I say, slowly by surely, we have the best relationship ever. You know, um, my little one has given me so much in, um, encouragement. I finally um, was able after my first year to come to terms that my marriage was not going to work out. And I proceeded with a divorce, something I never thought I could do. It was suggested to me to talk to the people who are who have gone through what you're going through. And I asked them how they got through it sober. And that's what I did. And I spoke with a lot of women. You know, as my sponsor would say, if you can't make a meeting, call three people you've never spoken to before. And that helped grow my phone book. And, you know, talk to the people who have gone through what you're going through. And that's what I've done. You know, being on Zoom, I've been able to reach out to so many more people that I never thought I'd be able to meet getting different perspectives because that's what it is. You know, we change our thinking. We come for our drinking, we stay for our thinking. And um, and hearing the different perspectives from people from all over the world, how we share that same common problem, you know, just helping each other, staying sober has been tremendous for me. Giving me the strength and the courage to do the things that I need to do. You know, no, nobody promised me I'm going to be rich. Nobody promised me that I'm going to have everything in the world that I want. It just promised me that I'm going to have peace, serenity, and happiness. And to me, that's the most richest thing I could ever have. You know, today I do have peace. Today I do have serenity. And as I said, I may not have everything I want, but I have everything I need. You know, I have a God in my life. I have a fellowship that is just amazing and a program that helps me live my life the right way. Um, being in these rooms as long as I have, which isn't long, you know, it's taught me to be open-minded, willing, and teachable. And as long as I remain with those three things, everything will be okay. You know, I was also told there's no graduation in AA and that I'm grateful for because I don't want to graduate. <laughs> I want to be here on a long time. You know, I used to think, why are these people here after 30, 40 years? But I'm so grateful that the old timers are here because they teach me how to live my life sober. They teach me how to go through the things in life that I need to know. 
And I'm also grateful for the newcomers when they come in and share because I hear the pain in their voices that I don't ever want to feel again. You know, it's, it, it, it's just, it's just amazing to me. There's never a coincidence, you know, um, the people that have been put in my life, the people that have been in my path so far are all put there for a reason and they're all put there at the right times. You know, my sponsor came in when she was supposed to, and I have changed sponsors since then. I changed sponsors after I spoke to three people, after I shared it with others, and after I found someone else. You know, I took the suggestions from others, and I prayed, and I always go to God first. And it's so funny because, as I said, there's no coincidences that Larry X, you know, if I wanted to speak or if Rocco was able to speak tonight and that's because it's coming up on his anniversary. Like, I feel like all these things are just, you know, where it's meant to be. God's always giving me the signal that I'm doing the right thing. God's always giving me the signal that he is here. You know, I, I see it, I see several names that are names in my family. And it just blows my mind looking at the screen because I know I have the love and the comfort of God and the people around me. And no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay, you know, and that's because of this program. It just, as I said, it just blows my mind and I never, ever thought it would be this good. And, and my life is not great. <laughs> you know, I, um, as I said, the divorce is new. I'm moving out of the house soon. I won't be with my kids, which breaks my heart. They'll be living in their house with their dad. <clears throat> but I know one day things will be better. It's only temporary. You know, they say, be careful what you wish for. And I used to say, I don't care if I live in a shoebox as long as I don't live with him. And I'm going to be in a shoebox. But that's okay. <laughs> because eventually, you know, my shoebox will get a little bigger. And my kids will be able to come. But uh, it's what needs to happen right now. And, um, and I just need to get out of the toxic environment and, and take care of myself. You know, as Rocco says, we got to take care of ourselves first, you know, and I had to put myself first and my kids have told me, mom, it's okay. You know, <laughs> you're going to be successful. It's okay. I don't care if we live in a car, we'll be by you, mom. You know, it's okay. And, um, and mom, you're going to be fine. You know, these are all the things that I keep hearing from my kids. And I believe them, as I believe the people in the rooms who have gone through the things that I'm going through. You know, um, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know as long as I keep going in my life and I do the next right thing, everything will be okay. I know I don't want to drink today. Um, has a drink crossed my mind? Absolutely. I'm an alcoholic. Do I think I can drink safely? No. <laughs> but I have to come to meetings every day and be reminded of that. You know, I have to come to meetings every day and get the message and get the, you know, um, the strength and the hope from other people. And on the days that I can't get out of my head, I have to call. I have to make the phone calls. I have to do the work and keep diligent. And, you know, as I said, there's no coincidences. This morning I was having one of those mornings and somebody called me and they were struggling. Within five minutes, we both blurted out everything that was going on. We both felt better and we got on a meeting together and we just thanked each other. Did we solve the problem? No, 
but we got it out there and we felt better and we had each other to cling on to. And we know we're not crazy. We're just alcoholics and it's okay. You know, and these are all the things that, um, that help me each day get through another day. You know, as they say, you wake up every morning with untreated alcoholism and that's the truth. So each day I have to start like I'm a beginner and I have to do everything that I was taught from the beginning and keep connected with my sponsor, connect with my fellowship, do service, stay in a home group and remember that, you know, I'm only one drink away from the disaster. And um, as they say, you know, you don't, you don't know if you'll ever come back and I don't want to test those waters. So I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and I'm going to stay here with all of you. So thank you for allowing me to share tonight. God bless you all. Be safe and please just stay.